This Principle of Hospitality podcast is brought to you by Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. Find more information at chefshat.com.au. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Food brings people together and promotes community and Principle of Hospitality is here to disrupt the current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. So that's why we're so proud to partner with Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia on this season of Poe. Now, Point Zero Seller's philosophy is simple. Offer a healthier adult beverage to individuals seeking a more mindful approach to drinking and companies who see the value in offering these alternatives to their customers. They focus on finding the best tasting alcohol-free beverages available and adding them to predominantly alcohol-heavy beverage industry. So I feel really lucky to chat with the founder of Point Zero Sellers, Kirsten Chalmers today. Now, Kirsten, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Now, I said in the intro there, you know, you've got a, a non-alcoholic beverage range uh, that you've been able to build and non-alcoholic beverages at the moment are just absolutely outstanding in, in the marketplace. They're just becoming uh, very normalized in the beverage scene. So how did you come up with the idea for Point Zero? When did it actually begin? It began with my own journey with uh, not drinking. I'm a psychologist by profession. COVID hit. I decided to take a break from psychology. I actually thought everything would die down and we'd go to COVID like normal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Everyone might have thought differently, but I was still optimistic. Uh, Anyway, I took a couple of months off thinking this will all blow over. And in the meantime, I might as well do a little health kick. And part of that health kick was to take a break from alcohol. And so I decided being a bit of an all or nothing kind of person that I wasn't going to do just the month. I've done plenty of those. I was going to do the whole year and see what I would learn. And so I guess I just started to embark on the non-alcoholic thing and went from all the way from, you know, gritting my way through not drinking to embracing non-alcoholic beverages. Well, probably not embracing them originally, thinking they all tasted awful. Then I think my palate developed over a couple of months, which I was then able to judge those that taste awful and those that taste less awful. And I just thought, gosh, we really need to have more of this around because the one thing I struggled with was diversity. I wanted, I didn't want to go to the same old brand that I happen to like and have that glass again. Yes. Uh, you know, if you're a wine drinker, you like, you know, various options. You don't just want the one. And so I started to look for what was out there and there, there wasn't that much. Most of it is online and it still is pretty online, but I really thought this is an opportunity to bring in some something new, something different. It might make it more doable for people to make that switch. It certainly made it more doable for me because I realized over those few months that what I missed the most socially was standing with the glass. I didn't really care what was in it. Uh, and I didn't really care for people asking me while I w- why I wasn't drinking. Um, it's, it's not like I wanted to go down the whole non-alcohol, you know, I'm needing to take a break sort of chat. So it was just easy to rock up with my own bottle. Sometimes I didn't even know it was non-alc and I could just move on through life. And so it made it so much easier. And I just figured, God, I can't be the only one. There must be more out there. Is there a reason why you focused on premium and and obviously overseas brands as part of the range on the website? Because there is a lot of non-alc that's that's happened in the last year. 
a lot in Australia as well, which is obviously great to see. But you've you've focused on premium and obviously overseas brands. What what was the reason behind that? I think I just wanted to offer a point of difference. I didn't want to replicate or redistribute what was already here. My whole problem was that there wasn't enough. And so if that was going to be my problem, then that, then I had to find a solution to that problem. And so funny enough, when I started, there was less choice then than there is now. And as you say, it's grown already. So in the last, in 2020, it's grown by 2.9%, which is pretty good growth for that sector. Mm. So yeah, I just decided don't replicate what's already there. Don't stand on other people's toes either. Just bring something new in. And I guess I wanted to focus also on hospitality and would restaurants want what everyone can get online or would they want something different? Um, So the idea was if I'm going to go to a club or if I'm going to go to a a, a bar, I want to be able to say, well, these aren't currently online or not, not, not a lot. So I guess that was the thinking behind that. Are they brands that many people know when they've when they've bought from you the first time? Is it is it stuff that you can sort of generally find in Australia, or have you or have you gone for stuff that's pretty bespoke? I've gone for stuff that isn't here. So the almost zero. So the wineries. Let me put it this way: the wineries would be more well known because they happen to have alcoholic versions, mm. and so then they've gone into the non-alc space, and so people know that there's an you know the branding's there from an alcoholic perspective. The new ones would be spirits. You know those are companies that haven't necessarily been in the liquor uh, market. Um, so sexy AF is is brand new to Australia, and I love the name yes. <laughs> because <laughs> half of the reason. You know, I wanted to say we can, you know, ladies, you can remain sexy. You don't have to be boring. And so the name attracted me. The label looks great on a bar. Of course, you know, when I got to tasting it, I love the flavors. Um, I love the cocktail ranges you can make. So that was that. And then um, the beers was the last to come. It took me six months to find beer that I actually thought might stand up because obviously Australia is a heavy beer drinking country. I didn't want to just bring in anything because I know most people would just go, ah, no, I'm not doing that. Um, so I, yeah, I took a bit of time with that. And so we've just brought in the Sober Carpenter. So mm, some of the names we've known, others are not. Yeah, because I, I guess as this as this area of the market, the non-ALK area of the market comes to build out, I feel like it's turned a corner from being just about health to, to also about brand and about obviously mouthfeel and taste and forget to get repeat business, right? But like, how do you go about deciding what brands are going to be are going to be part of your range that you're selling? Well, I guess when I spoke to, or I, I did an interview, we sort of interviewed each other. But when I spoke to the various people in the brands, I was looking for people that would really passionate about making. So, for example, the craft beer, you know, they are extremely passionate about making a really good flavored beer. That's where their passion is, even if they start with smaller amounts. Um, The idea is to have great ingredients and to really not just pull out the alcohol of something that exists. (laughs) So uh, I wanted to, you know, find people who were doing it, you know, because they love the space as well and because they had an interest in creating something great. So, you know, international means it's more expensive, but to me, you're paying for, quality one of the biggest concerns for many people is you know it tastes bad I don't want it because it doesn't taste the same and so I wanted to squash that because I didn't want that to be a something that held people back how do you think your experience your career as a psychologist has sort of played into this and and probably dovetailing from that as well like you said at the start you know you had this year where you weren't you weren't drinking alcohol like what what kind of things did you find were a benefit for you in that in that year how do you think psychology has played a role in the brand 
I guess because it's such a niche market, it's still very much about people who are passionate about mindful drinking. So psychology was a huge part for me because I suddenly realized that after my year, if I wanted to step back into psychology and go back to clients, I didn't really want to be talking to the people in the rooms because they knew what damage alcohol does. I didn't have to preach that. They were well across that. That's why they were there. And they were there because they, I guess in some ways, you know, it had gone too far. And I think there's that perception that they are alcoholics and they're non-alcoholics. The truth of the matter is alcohol affects humans equally. And so you're just on a sliding scale. And so probably better to stop it before it becomes a problem. Because when it does become a problem, then you literally can't drink anymore. And I, for one, still like a drink. So I don't want to be that person that goes, oh, well, it's all or nothing for you. And so I want to change that language. And I didn't feel I could do that in the rooms. Um, I thought that I needed a different platform to, to do that. And so psychology lives with me from my journey because everything I experienced, I could back up with science and go, yeah, it's not my imagination. I am sleeping better. Yeah, it's not my imagination. I am less cranky. Yeah, it's not my imagination. I do have more energy. I am feeling better. So it wasn't like I was being brainwashed. I know that that's true. I guess the thing I had to learn was where was my space because I don't fall into the sober community. Sure. Um, I don't feel like you don't have, you know, you have to choose one or the other. I think that non-alcs can be spaces. They can be integrated beautifully. And so I had to just go, okay, I, I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm sort of in the middle somewhere. So I'm still finding where I'm at in the whole community. When, when you did decide to, to stop drinking for that year, did you find... You know when you drink, and often sometimes when you drink, you'll often make bad food choices as well as you know, oh, yeah. as well as alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Did you find that you that what you were actually consuming food wise changed as well during that year? Was that something you were mindful of as well? Oh, look, everything, every choice you make is <laughs> is tainted. Let's be fair. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, make some very dodgy choices yes. sometimes, but uh, yeah, food is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, just generally speaking of an evening, you know, have a couple of glasses of wine, I would always fill it, finish with a chocolate because the tartness of the wine needed to be balanced with the sweetness of the sugar. Yeah. So I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, you know, weekends, you know, open a packet of crisps, of course, you know, what, what else do you do? So I, I realized that drinking became an activity in itself. And suddenly I was actually a little bit bored. What do I do now that I'm not drinking? Because the go-to on a Sunday Sunday afternoon, chilling, uh, let's get a drink, right? And now I'm not drinking. So now I've got to do something with myself. Mm. Um, So yeah, in fact, you increase your activity as well, not just because you have energy to do so, but you actually have the time. It's amazing how much time alcohol saps of you. Um, So you go for more walks and, you you know, I guess you just, mm, you just enjoy things in a different way. You you find that alcohol is less of a central activity. And when you're around people, where alcohol is a central activity, it's, it gets a bit boring after about two hours. Two hours is max. <laughs> <laughs> That's when their brains start making dumb decisions and yeah. I have to listen to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you think the non-alc market is going to be a bit like what we're seeing with flexitarians with food and that kind of stuff is that most of the consumers of non-alc are going to be the people, you know, like yourself and myself who want to drop, still want to drink some alcohol sometimes, but want to drop the amount of alcohol they have 
Or do you think it's going to be the growing sector of people who say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go off booze altogether. I haven't, got an, I haven't got an issue with booze, but I'm just going to go off booze altogether and non-alc products are going to be a way that I can feel um, like I'm connected with people who are still drinking alcohol when I'm in their presence. Yeah, good question. Because I think traditionally I would have, you know, I think in the past it would definitely look like those that can't drink will have to deal with a non-alc. Yes. And I think that that's changing. Um, I really think both can live together. In fact, I'd like both to live together. I just think we need to decrease how much alcohol we're having. So what I'd ideally like to see you know, the ladies that go to Melbourne Cup and they look so gorgeous in the beginning, keep having that champagne or two, get your buzz. I get it. I like it myself. And then switch to something non-alc and stay sexy for the rest of the day rather than ruining the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good idea. I especially know at about four o'clock on Melbourne Cup day, it's, uh, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> And I just think, you know, certainly as you get older, you can't, it doesn't look pretty. As you get older, it gets a lot less pretty. Funny because I had a couple of drinks. I've had a couple of drinks obviously since my break. Mm. And I did think, oh gosh, am I now going to go back into drinking? And is this going to be it? And I, and I actually haven't, I have to admit, I do enjoy the buzz. So I don't, believe anyone that says they're not doing it for the buzz because it's definitely there it is there but it's short term and it you it doesn't get better just the more drinks you have yes um so the logic is get the buzz stop enjoy it have something else you know it, it's all doable you can do both yeah absolutely low alcohol non-alcoholic drinks have definitely you know normalized as i said at the start of the podcast how big do you think the industry is going to get because at the moment, it, from from my standpoint and the work that I do, like it seems to be exploding. Norm, normal alcoholic beverage brands are now producing non-alc mm-hmm. as part of their range for many different reasons. They're doing that, uh, but one of them is definitely because this is a growing market. Like, how how sort of big do you think this is going to get? Well, the fo- forecast, according to the IWSR, is that by 2024, it will have grown by 16%. Wow. Um, so that's a f- significant growth. And, I, you know, I think it's hard to tell. It is a new market. Those stats are great. I'm certainly working towards those stats. <laughs> but I think, you know, it needs to be just commonplace. I mean, how lovely would it be that you go to a restaurant and there's no question about, are you a drinker or are you not? You can just go, oh, I'll have a bottle of the almost zero. You know, you just kind of turn to the person. It makes everyone feel better. Those people that are pregnant, those people that are doing it for athletes or for runners reasons, there just shouldn't be no options except for the kiddie menu on, on, on menus. And how mm. hard is it to just include it into a menu? In fact, the wines will be the same pricing even because uh, if you actually look at the process of de-alcoholizing, it actually is an additional process and so there's it's cost involved. So this is not a cheap option by any means. This is a health option. Just speaking about health, like I think sometimes with when we when we broaden out a range like this in the market, a bit like what we've seen in plant-based foods at the moment, there are a lot of really clean, great mm. options that are fantastic for people to eat. There are also some ones that aren't as good in there loaded with sugar or loaded with um, a heap of bad things that actually make it make it worse. How how are you picking to make sure you've got really clean spirits, beers, wines to make sure your consumers are getting a really fantastic product? 
Well, I think, again, it comes down to who's making it and, mm. and, and seeking the purists in the industry. Sure. You know, you mentioned those uh, winemakers or those producers that are now doing a non-alc. Are they doing it because they love it or are they doing it because of the market share? I haven't chosen people that are necessarily, you know, big names, although the wines are, but that's because my choice was to go to, I'm originally from South Africa, so my natural choice was to try South African wines because I know that they're good. So it was kind of my where do I start point. It's a bit like, you know, when people, the vegan industry or the, I guess you're looking for those, I want to be a, a front runner in this. I want to be able to present brands that I believe in because I'm not just I'm honestly not just selling bottles I just think this is the way to go and that's why I'm out here to sort of say try this because it's just better on all levels yeah absolutely are you just selling in Australia at the moment or are you selling around the world I uh, know I'll I'll probably just be a distributor for Australia mm-hmm. um so because the pr- products that I'm getting are from other countries so it doesn't make sense to me to sell back to them yes um so <laughs> I'm just that's why I guess I'm doing new products here because there's obviously going to be the brands that are here uh, and I don't want to feel like I'm sort of competing with their space I'm saying yep of course there's beautiful local brands enjoy those as well but there's place for everyone I mean if you walk into Dan Murphy's there's that many liquor options mm. um why can't the non-alk space be as diverse Obviously, you said you're, you know, originally from from South Africa. Are you getting anecdotal sort of research and feelings from your people that you've met since you've started this about what the non-alc trends are in other parts of the world? Did look that up. Yeah, South Africa is actually one of the growing ones, but not very fast, actually, surprisingly. I did okay. have the report nearby. I can add it to the notes if you like. But I guess, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell because when you're in this space, you know, it's like I've connected with all the people in that sober space. So for me to walk out of that and for someone to, uh, 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 we were at the warehouse the other day, (laughs) someone from a neighboring warehouse sort of came up and went, oh, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, these are our new beers. And they were like, oh, that looks good. Um, You know, what about them? They're non-alcoholic. And the guy looked at me sort of shocked, you know, well, what's the point in that? He said. (laughs) (laughs) And I just was like, oh, I forget that that's where we're at sometimes, you know, that that's the space we're in. So it's, I guess it's hard. There's no, there's not a lot of research. I mean, I'm a massive research person. Mm. There is an association that's starting up and I'm trying to be part of that. So in terms of ensuring that there's standards across the board and people are selling things that are of value, I definitely want to be part of that as well. So I guess that's where the psychology comes in is that it's, it's about connecting with people finding the research, following the research and uh, making sure that the right thing's happening in the industry because I think there's nothing worse than that can really ruin an incoming industry. Quite funny what you said just about that gentleman then. Do you think there is some education that needs to be had by the non-alc industry in, in actually saying why it's roughly the same price point that alcohol is and what the benefits actually are? Because I didn't realise that fact about wine before you said it. You know, do you think there's some education that the industry needs to do to consumers in order to get them on board? Absolutely. I think the thing is most people feel deprived because they don't have the alcohol content and that's not really what we're looking for. In fact, I would say that the hardest sell is the alcohol or the liquor stores. They really Mm. are. Why are we doing this again? Um, (laughs) So definitely a lot of research needed because I always liken it to 
back in the day when you, you know, when decaf came in, I happen to be a decaf drinker. And yes, yeah. I still get the comment of why bother, but <laughs> less so, right? Yes. And and if you think about it, you pay 50 cents more for a decaf. You don't yeah. pay less for a decaf. So yes. you don't get coffee minus the caffeine. So I should get a discount. Um, you actually pay more. So I sort of see it in the same lines, you know, as is anything, uh, healthy ingredients in general. Luckily in Australia, we're very keen on fresh ingredients and we are, we are following that trend anyway. And so I'm sort of hoping that people with a reasonable palate who already are interested in the health benefits of fresh food will then also go, don't numb it with alcohol, you know, have a beautiful beverage that goes with it. I mean, just because you don't drink, here's my plate of, you know, gorgeously presented food and here's a beautiful beverage, an adult beverage that you can enjoy with it. Exactly. We just need to raise the standard of it and for it to become normalized and then more people have it, more benefit there will be. I think it's just a flow on effect, isn't it really? Yeah, and I think a lot of people do see that it's it can be damaging. I think there's a lot of marketing. I, I particularly know about the sort of mummy wine culture mm. where, you know, there's a lot of memes about, oh, I had such a bad day. I'm just going to chill and, you know, look after myself and have a drink. Well, how is that a reward? Yes. You know, the, the, we really need to stop some of that really damaging talk and i think i think we need to remember that beverage industries have done a great job of marketing the social aspects of drinking and all that stays you know you get to do the same things you get to look the same feel the same do the same things and have a beverage that's just not going to kill you it's a great point my final question to you kirsten is like you've got now an exploding brand it's doing fantastically well you're selling some amazing products like what do you what are you looking forward to for 2022, both from a business standpoint, but but obviously yourself, like you're obviously doing a great job here. Oh, thank you. Oh, look, I just I just want to meet more and more people. You know, I think my proudest moment will be when I go to a restaurant and I see one of my brands on a menu and I just go, we've done it. Like that would be huge for me. So little steps before that we are, we've got a, a bigger warehouse that we're going to be moving to. And so excitement around that, because I'm going to hopefully be offering tastings there oh, wow. because I think one of the problems is that you don't get to taste it. And for me to send a bottle to everyone, you know, it just becomes a little prohibitive. So to be able to say, come on on a Friday afternoon or by appointment, check it out, taste it, see what you think, have a bit of a chat. You know, I, I just want to enjoy this space. I I came to this space out of a personal thing. And I guess that's probably why I want to be face-to-face more than just an online store. I want to be out there. I want to be chatting to people. Yeah, I love it. A mm. non-alc cellar door. It's fantastic. <laughs> Kirsten, what's the best way that people can find out about Point Zero and, uh, and get in touch? Yep, the best way is probably to follow anything that says at Point Zero Sellers. Um, sellers with an with a C. It's just a play on you know seller doors as opposed to selling. And yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Obviously, there's the website. If anyone's listening, we will be heading to the Good Food Show. I think it's in June or somewhere yep. later down the track. Yep. Um, so that would be lovely to catch up with anyone who wants to have a taste there. Just have a chat with me. You'll find me on lots of forums. Beautiful. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast, as well as a special surprise from Kirsten as well, so you can try Point Zero. Kirsten, thanks so much for your time. Later, it's been great. <laughs> thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one and definitely got some education out of it as well. I definitely know I did. Thanks so much for tuning in and uh, make sure you share this with people in the industry as well. We're making this with the industry in mind, so we really appreciate you sharing it along. 
Thanks as well to our major supporter, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia, Chef's Hat, where the industry shops. And if you don't know us at Pose, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So you can check them out at principaldesign.com.au. Myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with systems and processes to make your business run even more smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe for everyone. This episode was brought to you by the team at Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. Find more information at chefshat.com.au.